it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We've watched the horrific scenes over the weekend as Israel gets bombarded and raided and uh, killed and massacred. It looks like close to a thousand people dead, two thousand plus wounded. Countless are taken hostage, nine Americans among the dead. We do not know how many have been wounded. It really is the story of the world, depending on your position, what's happening in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, in cities in Florida, protesting for the Palestinians, celebrating and rallying for their cause. You never thought this would happen in great numbers in America, but sadly it is fully supported by the Democratic Socialists of America, hence the squad. In fact, they're even on the record. So let's get into it. Uh, first, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Just a short time ago, we did the historic Abraham Accords, and today we have the exact opposite, a major attack on Israel. What a difference a president makes, right? How did this, reappro- this reapproachment strategy with Iran play into Israel getting attacked? How did the president react? Phone calls, a statement, and a barbecue. A barbecue, do you believe this? With a band on the White House lawn. The Republican candidates weigh in and call each other out. We have the latest on the GOP race with Iowa 100 days away. Number two. We do need to get a speaker in place as soon as possible, someone we can unite around. We need to give Israel the time, the space, the resources so that they can win and win decisively and send a message to these evil people who did this. Yeah, and by the way, that is Jim Jordan, wants to be the next speaker along with Steve Scalise. House in turmoil, and this time it could not have been worse. Days away from a speaker vote. How much has our national pride and reputation already been hurt and damaged because of this? And by the way, within our show, Kevin McCarthy, the now former speaker, has a press conference. Number one. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people. Full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. All right, President Biden weighs in. Israel at war and a region on fire. We have the details of this massive Hamas attack, the hostages taken, uh, American response, and more, including the Israeli response. At this hour, they are bombing into Gaza. Yes, and guess what? Rocket fire is also still hitting Israel this morning. We don't know how many rockets they have, and there is some fire exchange on the Hezbollah side out of Lebanon. The last thing Israel wants is a two-front war, but... Those are the enemies. They have one thing in common, one Shia, one Sunni, but both supported by, drumroll please, no surprise, Iran. Reports in the Wall Street Journal not denied that shows that this plan really started in April. Bi-monthly meetings, bi-weekly meetings began in August. And guess where it was? In Beirut, Lebanon, home of a political and terror organization called Hezbollah, the gold standard of terror organizations. And next thing you know, Hamas is able to put together a 5 prong attack. I'm talking about paragliders with doom buggies on the bottom. I'm talking about blowing open a wall where Toyotas come flying in. I'm talking about the scaling of the wall. I'm talking about a sea attack all happening at once. And the goal was this. Take military bases, yes, but more importantly, go to places like a rock concert. 
and just massively killed people. 264 just slaughtered, slaughtered, and others taken hostage, others dragged through the streets. You're talking about Holocaust survivors being taken hostage, right? Right? If they're still alive, they're in tunnels. So there are hundreds now dead on the Palestinian side, too. It's amazing to me how many people, like Turkey, like uh, Qatar, are quickly saying Israelis had it coming to them. Here's Benjamin Netanyahu. Cut to. All of the places which Hamas is deployed, hiding and operating in, that wicked city, we will turn it into an island of ruins. I am telling Gaza's people to leave those places now because we will take action everywhere. All right. They are, and they plan on it, and they know how to fight. And there's 300,000 people who have been called up, and everybody reports for duty. A man, woman, 17, 18 years old, you report, you get in the military. Also, um, Israelis or people of Jewish descent, Israel supporters, are now reporting into Israel. As soon as they can fly in, they're going to join in the fight. You're talking about 300,000 army quickly snaps together, and they are. I guess you're obligated until you're 35 years old to fight, and I think they'll probably go past that. Which is amazing to me, and I understand the role of the State Department. They're diplomats. They don't want to rattle anybody's cage necessarily. But you can be direct, you can be firm, and you can be smart. This statement is not smart. Cut five. Iran uh, and Hamas have a long relationship. Uh, Hamas wouldn't be Hamas without the support it's had for many years from Iran. In this moment, we don't have... um, Anything that uh, shows us that Iran was directly involved in this attack and in planning it or in carrying out. But that's something we're looking at very carefully. And we've got to see where the facts lead. I guess he doesn't have a Wall Street Journal subscription because what they have is meetings with the Al-Qud force leader in Beirut multiple times plotting and planning this entire event. And any financing that Hamas comes has really comes from Iran. It was their idea. Sunni organization, Shia country, I get it. Hezbollah, well, originally started in 1982. This starts in 1989. I understand it. They're a ragtag group who are lethal, bloodthirsty killers. That's their reputation. But they would not be able to do any of this without the armament from Iran, the money from Iran, the rehearsal from Hezbollah. What do you mean Iran has no no hand in this that they can tell? The Wall Street Journal? says Iran helped plot and plan the attack, working with Hamas since August on a plan to to go over the fine details and refine the whole thing in Beirut. It was attended by four Iran-backed terror groups, including Islamic Jihad. Okay. Uh, No one's disputing this, not even Iran. Iran says, I celebrate, this is a great day, I didn't do it. Okay, initially they said they did it. The BBC, Hamas gave an interview to the BBC. They said Iran did it, supported it. The Quds Force had met with the terror group on a bi-weekly basis since April. How amazing is that? Egypt says they were warned that a ground invasion into Gaza would prompt Hezbollah to act. So they are warning Israel not to go in. But they got to go in, and they've already begun to go in. So Iran says if they were attacked, they would respond back through Lebanon, Hezbollah, Yemen, as well as Iran. Now, for those people who said that Saudi Arabia was being heavy-handed and we should not be supporting Saudi Arabia bombing in Lebanon, in Yemen, well, Saudi Arabia wasn't too good and discriminate with their attacks and their blockade. But you know what they were attacking? Iran influence in Yemen who are lobbing rockets into their country. I don't wake up in the morning looking to high-five a Saudi, but they are light years better than Iran. And we know the elements in times in which we can count on them. we got military presence there. They're not the enemy that Iran is. 
So now you have what Saudi Arabia was saying the whole time. Guys, if you let them establish in Yemen, that will be a terror base. And they are basically saying that right now. So that is what is taking place. That is what's going on. Uh, The president of the United States says the right thing. But how dare you have a barbecue on a Sunday afternoon in which you attend with a band? I don't care how important it is. I know life must go on. But as president of the United States, you just can't do it. You can't do it. And if you still want to get people together, you understand you got to get picnics. I know all of you had picnics. But if you're president of the United States, there's certain picnics you got to cancel. Maybe he shouldn't have taken the job if he knew he did, if he was going to be reluctant to cancel picnics. Pretty amazing. I want you to hear this question to Nikki Haley. Now, in case you don't remember uh, that prisoner exchange of Iranian hostages for American criminals. So there were six Americans in Iran, and there were six or seven, and there were six or seven in uh, Iranians who were criminals arrested in various Western locations, including the U.S., and they were exchanged along with the unfreezing of $6 billion in South Korea. Now, quickly, they said it's not even been released yet. There's no way this $6 billion has anything to do with this. Listen, you've allowed $300 million to go to the Palestinians day one. You wrote them a check. Where do you think that money's going? To get to start their own virtue, the Palestinian version of Head Start programs? Don't think so. Soccer leagues? Don't think so. So you give them that aid. Then you allow Iran to go from 400 million barrels of 400,000 barrels of oil a day to 4 million barrels of oil a day. You don't think that revenue is coming in? You don't enforce any of the sanctions. You allow them to circumvent it and not only supply drones and weapons that Russia pays for to them, more revenue. You also sell and buy oil and give it to China at a discount rate. We did nothing. So listen to this clueless question from Christian Welker to Nikki Haley, U.N. ambassador, wants to be president. Cut 10. There's just no proof of that yet. This is just the hours after that immediate attack. Is it irresponsible to level that charge when you really don't have any evidence of that at this point in time? The evidence is look at what the Iranian people have done to freedom-loving people around the world. Look at what the Iranian people, the Iranian regime has done to threaten Israel over the years. To think that they're not moving money around is irresponsible to say that to the American people. They are moving money around to threaten those they hate. They hate Israel. They hate America. They are going to continue to use this. It was wrong to release the $6 billion. And that was the question was about the $6 billion. Anthony Blinken said wasn't even there yet. It's wrong. And John Finer says wasn't even there yet. It's wrong to equate the two. It's the whole policy since you took over. And if there aren't massive sanctions and maximum uh, maximum, maximum pressure campaign reinstalled on Iran, you're not working in America's best interest. Sadly, in New York, huge protest in favor of the Palestinians against Israel. And there was a counter-protest there. But think about all these that propped up around the country. Also, there's a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo on Saudi, Saudi soil holding up a Palestinian flag. It's amazing these people don't understand good and evil. It's amazing to me that this administration thinks the key to Middle East peace is Iran. It is insane. And Barack Obama started it when he started his apology tour in 2008. And the people he wanted to show that he was sorry about was the Iranians. Maybe that was Valerie Jarrett's influence with her Iranian heritage. No one's dissuaded me of that yet. Victoria Coates, who was a former deputy national security advisor under Donald Trump, did a great job. Cut 15.
all the statements out of UAE, out of Qatar, out of Saudi Arabia were disproportionately leaning toward the Palestinians. And that is in some ways history. Uh, it's also the pressures that they're dealing with internally. Uh, but at the same time, it, we can't discount the progress that has been made. The fact that we got to this, you know, we got to the Abraham Accords with the UAE and Bahrain. We got to the point that the Saudis were talking openly about a peace deal with Israel. And this is when the Iranians and their terrorist proxies who hate Israel, uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, felt they had to play their master card to try to disrupt this. Yeah, and they did. And they stopped it. But in, in the big picture, I don't understand why they'd stop it permanently. Saudis aren't stupid. They know exactly what's happening. Why be intimidated by Iran and let their foreign policy dictate yours? Mike Pompeo put it in perspective. CIA director, as well as a, a, a well-known, I mean, he was uh, an impact player, I believe, on the Select Committee on Intelligence when he was in the House. And then he was former Secretary of State, Cut-22. You know, in the opening moments after this attack, the Biden administration's team on the ground in Israel said, gosh, can't we all just get along? They issued a statement demanding that the Israelis essentially fold their tent and allow this massacre Which, to continue. That just was so we indecent. know, that, that was retracted, just so folks know. But yeah, it was, it it was, was retracted it was because, they, because the... That's right. It was their first response. It was their instinct, Shannon. That's exactly right. This is the Biden administration's instinct, appease at every turn. And it's how you get precisely what you described. You, you described the fact we had 13 Americans killed in Afghanistan. We've seen coups in Africa. We have a ground war in Europe. We have a Chinese Communist Party that is threatening every one of its land-based neighbors and sea-based neighbors. When, when America refuses to do the right thing and lead and use American power in ways that deter adversaries, they, like the old Southwest Airlines line, they feel free to move about the cabin. He's 100 percent right. It's overall policy. Uh, this guy, this president of the United States, look at what has happened in two and a half years from the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the to the war now in Europe and now a Middle East ablaze. Good job, President Biden. Continue to back Bob Gates when he said Joe Biden's been wrong about every major foreign policy decision in his lifetime. And he's lived a long time. I think he's 74. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Your call's next. And we also have Dr. Robert Jeffers coming up, author of a brand new book um, called The Ten, How to Live and Love in a New World that Has Lost Its Way. Uh, We certainly have in certain sections and in certain lives. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Congress can do nothing right now. 
except try to elect a new speaker. What we would be doing if I was in, first thing we would come in and show the world that we stand with Israel. The second thing we would do is make sure they have the ammunition and the resources and the technology to take care because they're literally fighting back the villages to make sure to get these individuals out. The third thing, I'd make sure that America is safe. How did Israel miss this? This could actually happen in America. Our border is wide open. People are coming from 160 other countries. We caught more people in the month of February on the terrorist watch list than we did in the entire last administration. Earlier, we had caught two people on the terrorist watch list from Yemen coming on different days into California. Why are they coming here? Who are they talking to? And what do they have planned? There could be cells sitting in America right now based upon what's happening. I totally agree. Uh, that is Speaker Kevin McCarthy, former speaker, who's going to speak today in about 90 minutes. I'm not sure what he's going to say, but I know this. His, what he showed me, and I knew this already, but not to this degree, in his exit interview, that press conference, how much he knows and cares about foreign policy, how much he thinks he's forward-thinking on American foreign policy, not isolationists, but not interventionists. If, if Donald Trump wins, or any Republican wins, and Mike Pompeo doesn't want the job again, he'd be a fantastic Secretary of State. And what he's, you should know this right now, and I know most of you realize this, unless you analyze Matt Gates. He has made a mockery of us around the world. He made us look like we're coming apart around the world. You're allowed to have unrest, and their Constitution allows this, and there's that one vote can call to vacate the chair. But for him to do it because he disagrees with a few policies and timing on appropriations bills, they were probably on track to come out by November, and great reasons why they weren't. And Nancy Mace's ridiculous explanations on why she did what she did, even though she despises Mount Gates. And keep in mind, it's not a revolt against Kevin McCarthy. If you have 210 people out of 218, because they were missing some due to illness and maternity leave, if you have... 210 out of 218 who say, you're the guy. I want you to stay in that job. And just eight say go, and you have to go? Do not say he's been ousted or recalled or he's had done a terrible job. They have been unable to issue any type of emergency order. They were unable. Patrick Henry was not able to get briefed because he's just a temporary uh, speaker. Hakeem Jeffries was. Chuck Schumer was. Mitch McConnell was. But nobody in the House. Republicans, thanks to Kim McCarthy's great fundraising, even though they lost in 2020, the House uh, almost flipped, even though they thought it was going to be even a wider margin. Then it finally flips, and then you flip him out. And now, Republicans, Democrats have a great case. Yeah, you don't want to give Republicans a majority. They can't even control themselves. They hate each other, and the whole country grinds to a halt. In the, one of the most critical weeks in international politics, a world war could be on the cusp. We have no speaker, which means the people and the House have no voice. That's your Republicans.
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think the crucial question today is not looking backward at the, at the intelligence failure, but looking forward and, and trying to make sense of whether this is going to become a much wider war. The Wall Street Journal last night published an article that said that Iran had participated in the planning of this operation and had given a green light, in effect, for the operation. If Israel decides that Iran was fundamentally responsible, we have the risk of a much wider war ahead uh, with U.S. Aircraft Carrier Task Force steaming into the eastern Mediterranean. It's as, it's as dangerous a situation as I can remember seeing in the Middle East. Dave Ignatius of the Washington Post. With me right now in studio, uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers, author of a brand new book called The Ten, How to Live in Love in a New World that Has Lost Its Way. And The Ten is, uh, Dr. Jeffers? The Ten Commandments, right. 3,500 years old. So right now we're talking, as soon as you talk about Israel, you talk about history. That's right. They're, uh, people keep saying, well, they're in stolen land, the Palestinians, <laughs> this is their land, they're just trying to get it back. Yeah, well, that is a complete rewriting of history. I mean, the fact the Ten Commandments were given 3,500 years ago as Israel was getting ready to enter into the land with Moses. Uh, this liberal trope that Israel didn't come into existence until 1948 and that they stole the land from the Palestinians. No, they've been in the land for 3,000 years. Go to the city of David, the excavation there. We see uh, artifacts proving that David was the king in 1,000 B.C. That's 3,000 years ago. This land belongs to Israel. And, you know, Brian, this war that we're seeing right now, this isn't just Hamas or Iran attacking Israel. They are attacking God himself, and that's a war nobody's going to win. What makes you think that? Well, because God said to Israel when he formed Israel, I'm going to protect you. You're the only nation that has the promise of endurance. God had given that promise to the United States, but he gave it to Israel. The Bible calls Israel the apple of God's eye. And there have been people throughout history who tried to disprove that, whether it's Pharaoh or Herod or Antiochus Epiphanes or Adolf Hitler. They've tried to prove that God can't keep his covenant with Israel. God is going to keep his promise. Israel will survive. People say the West Bank. It's not really the West Bank. Mark Levin was telling me uh, about an hour ago on Fox and Friends. West Bank is, is historically Israeli. That's right. And it's lying out in the Bible in Genesis 15. This is land God gave to Israel. And again, when you fight against Israel and try to take that land that belongs to them, you're fighting against God. And, you know, isn't it interesting, Brian, that this little strip of land, 90 miles wide, 200 miles long, is the epicenter of the world right now. And the Bible teaches that in the final days, and I don't know when the end times are, but when those days come, all the world forces are going to be brought, attracted to Israel, the plain of Megiddo, which Napoleon called the greatest battlefield in all the world. They're going to come there to do war that we call Armageddon. This is what the Bible predicts is going to happen one day, and it will be a trigger event like we've seen this weekend that causes that to happen. Well, in other words, are things lining up this being Armageddon? Things are always lining up. Now, I don't know if it's going to be next month or in the next century, but we're closer today than we have ever been before. What should Christians take from this entanglement? Uh, the Hamas came in and the brutal slaughter of, of um, Israelis. They've captured soldiers. They brought them into Gaza. Uh, they have slaughtered women, 260 in a concert by themselves. And then you factor in taking two-year-olds. I'm seeing video yeah. of two-year-olds being captured. 
and four Holocaust survivors being wheeled out in their wheelchair and then put into vans. Every Christian ought to strongly denounce this, just like the First Baptist Church of Dallas, my church, did yesterday. We said, without hesitating, we stand with Israel. And we sent our friend, Prime Minister Netanyahu, a copy of that video to assure him there are millions of evangelical Christians who are standing with Israel today. But what was stunning to me is how big the rallies are in support of the Palestinians. You saw what happened in New York City right in Times Square yesterday. You saw what happened in Chicago. You see what happens in some cities in Florida and in Los Angeles. I don't remember this happening before when there's been clashes. Brian, I said yesterday in church, this is more than a human war. It is a spiritual war against the forces of evil, against Satan himself. But I'm telling you, they are not going to succeed no matter how many people rally. You cannot fight and win against Almighty God. Well, and they they usually have intelligence to present things like this, but somehow they were able to penetrate it. Ruth Wasserman Landi is a former Knesset member and a blue and white uh, party member, said this about what she's seen, cuts 26. I think that what Israel is experiencing at the moment is uh, almost unprecedented. We've known wars, we've known uh, attacks, God knows we've known a lot of terror uh, and terrorism, but what Israel is experiencing at this moment, the barbarism, the massacre, uh, with especially with civilians beginning in the south, is... Uh, very extraordinary. Actually, the United Arab Emirates just came out um, reprimanding the attackers. The other Arab countries have spoken out less clearly. That is very true. Right. Uh, we, you know, Bahrain, Morocco, uh, UAE cut up by Abraham Accords. Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia was close to joining that. They have not yet. And they, they condemned Israel. Uh, and Qatar condemned Israel, and now they want to be a broker of peace to get the hostages out. What's your take on the other Arab nations having trouble finding out between right and wrong here? Must not surprise you. Well, it doesn't because, I mean, uh, they are descendants of Abraham, yes, but God said in the book of Genesis that the promise, the covenant, the land would go through Isaac, and that has always been the point of conflict, the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. Uh, but, you know, uh, going back to the Abraham Accords, you know, President Trump uh, brokered that. I was in the East Room when he announced it with Netanyahu, and uh, he was nice enough to invite me to do the opening prayer for the dead of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. And I said in my prayer with Netanyahu there, I said uh, that all the nations of the world need to realize that to be on the right side of Israel is not only to be on the right side of history, it's to be on the right side of God. And it's time for the United States to speak with one voice, Brian, one voice about our unconditional support for Israel. So I agree with you. And the president has said that. In fact, here's what President Biden said yesterday. Cut three. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people. Full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Right. That sounds good. And we are getting them some weapon systems that they need. They don't, we don't have to give details. I'm fine with that. They know exactly how to fight and, and how to use everything. And they actually build on what we give them or sell them. But after two or three days or two or three weeks, you hear, well, come on, Israel. Back off now. Yeah, you're being a yeah. little you're just a little bit too too uh, bad. And these are innocent people being killed. And, you know, you guys got to watch it and don't go too far. And then American President Biden, you could just be sure he'll pick up the phone and go, hey, Ben, back off a little. 
Well, you can see that happening. And go, going but, it, back, but it can. This yeah. is where they said the only thing worse was the Holocaust. Yeah. No, no, they can't back off at all. And by the way, going back to the Ten Commandments, the commandment, thou shalt not murder, that's talking about premeditated personal murder. God did give the Israelites and all people the right to defend themselves. And Israel has every moral right to unleash an attack, a vicious attack against Hamas and put an end to this evil. So how does this fit in with your book? Well, you know, the subtitle of the 10 is uh, How to Live and Love in a World that Has Lost Its Way. We do live in a world that has lost its way because we have felt like our way is better than God's way. Back in 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln first issued a declaration for prayer and repentance. And he said in that proclamation, Brian, what is it that is tearing our country apart? And he answered his own question. He said, we have forgotten God. And I think that is the basis of all the chaos in our world today, people have forgotten God. They've forgotten his laws. They think their way is better than God's way, and the result is always chaos. But here's the thing. A lot of people, Dr. Jeffers, say, oh, it's not God. It's my God, not your God. My God says I should kill. My God says I need that land. Your God says you need that land, so let's fight. Yeah, well, that's the problem is a lot of people think God is the sum of their speculations about him. They worship an imaginary God. No, the true God is the God of the Old and New Testament, the one God uh, who manifests himself in Christ Jesus' son. And if we want to know what's truly right and wrong, we go back to the Bible. Right. And what do you say to people say, no, I go to the Quran? Well, they're going to the wrong book. Why? <laughs> Mohammed got one vision uh, from an angel supposedly 600 years after Christ that told him uh, to go and kill the infidels. Uh, that did not come from God. The Bible is a unique book. It's filled with hundreds of prophecies that can be, become verified. It is the only book that is truly God's word. Uh, Dr. Jeffers, uh, thanks so much for coming in. Can't thank you enough. Go out and pick up his book to make your life better. Uh, the Ten uh, the 10, how to live and love in a new world that has lost its way. Uh, pastor of the first Baptist church in Dallas. Uh, so glad to, so glad you're here. And maybe you'll have your guy back in the white house soon. We're working on it. President Trump, <laughs> we need him. He has your endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think the evangelical community will be back with him again? Yes, they will. Some have been a little bit hesitant, but they're going to come on board. I mean, there's no alternative. He's the only one. He is the most pro-life, pro-religious liberty, pro-Israel president in the history of our country. You think this happens if he's president? Hamas hits like this? I think Hamas would not have attacked if he had been president. All right. Uh, Dr. Jeffers, thanks so much. Congratulations on the book. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. They recently gave Iran access to billions and billions of dollars. How does that connect to what has unfolded today? I think there's a certain message given to the Iranians. And uh, I don't know whether that message has been misinterpreted, but this is the message that they are internalizing, is that the United States will go to great lengths to avoid a conflict with Iran right now. And there have been innumerable provocations uh, by Iran against uh, American targets, including the possibility of Iranian agents assassinating former American officials uh, on American soil. If there's no response to that, what, what conclusions do you draw? I mean, I had my own experience with this. I was the target of an Iranian, uh, Iranian assassination attempt, attempt about uh, more than just over 10 years ago. 
in downtown Washington, D.C., along with my, my Saudi colleague, and uh, there was no American response. So the Iranians are internalizing a, a deep resistance on the part of the United States become engaged uh, militarily again in the Middle East. And this is going to be the huge question facing this administration. And, you know, by the way, we're cutting the anti-terror units at the NYPD in New York City, which were the best in the world. Number two, it shows where they also made it pretty clear we're going to start pivoting over to Asia. And I know China loves what's going on right now. They love the distraction. They're not in the line of fire. They don't really take sides, but I'm sure uh, I don't necessarily think China's anti-Israel. I don't think Russia is necessarily anti-Israel, but what they are is they want America caught up in the middle of this because that's less attention, less resources in the South China Sea, less time for focusing on and doing war games and plotting and planning with Australia, with South Korea, with Japan, with the Philippines. And we just made that clear. We're going to make our resources there, put our resources there. But now we got to quickly send a Gerald R. Ford. Over to the area, let Iran know that if anything else happens, we're going to hit you if you decide to hit Israel. And by the way, Iran is in your face. I mean, we're pretending as if this guy, the Iran, is not in the bar just punching people out. And we're sitting in the back because they haven't hit us directly yet. Although, what Michael Warren was referring to is 84 separate strikes in Iraq and Syria at American assets. We've answered twice since Joe Biden took over. I mean, this guy is a disaster on foreign policy. The world is falling apart on what he's done and what he has not done to keep people at bay. And Israel and Ukraine can't say what they're thinking. We are their number one supporter. So they come out and say America has let us down. That doesn't work in their interest. But you just know that we understand that if people really cared about Ukraine prevailing and Israel surviving, you don't act like this. Casey. Uh, you are uh, you are on the line. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, sir. Uh, I'm calling from Quantico, Virginia. Brian, I'm a huge fan, first-time caller. Thank yada, you. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so over the weekend, I'm watching all these Palestinian rallies erupt in New York City and in other large cities. And I look at the composition of those Palestinian supporters, and all I see are Democrats. And I know— what, I mean, well, I'm confused as to when will American Jewish people I know. wake up I know. and learn that the Democrats are not going to support them. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, your Congressman Bowman, the, 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 the fire alarm pulling uh, insurrectionists are not going to help the Jewish people. I tell you who will. Republicans, independent, free-thinking Americans who are responsible – I, I would I would encourage uh, people like Mark Levin talk to their people of like, hey, the Democrats are not going to help you. Come, come to the arms of Republicans and then people that will that will support you. Your thoughts? My thoughts to exactly uh, the squad came out. Corey Bush, who still wants to defund the police, by the way, and no one really condemns her. They just say we don't want to defend the police. Uh, Corey Bush and of course uh, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib made it clear where she stood. And, in fact, she put in an immediate statement just to make it clear. Instead of keeping her mouth shut and embarrassing the country, she's Palestinian, and she still wants to be in foreign relations and still wants to serve in the House. Doesn't seem to like America too much. She said the apartheid government that created the suffering, which led to the resistance by Hamas, 
She demanded the United States stop providing billions in unconditional funding to the key ally. And Congressman Bush released similar statements demanding the U.S. stop supporting Israel. I grieve for the Palestinian-Israeli lives lost, she said. I'm determined as ever to fight for a just future with everyone in peace, without fear and freedom, equal rights. And Tlaib went on to say the path to that future is including lifting the blockade. That means getting rid of the fence that they blew open to kill Israelis. Ending the occupation, which means Israel should leave Israel, right? And dismantling the apartheid system that creates the suffocating dehumanizing conditions and can lead to resistance. They were given the Gaza Strip. They would have paved the roads with gold, the world community, if they just swore off terror, and they don't. It's just sickening. It's really sickening. And to tell you the truth, uh, you also have Governor Whitmer, quote, of Michigan. I've been in touch with communities Impacted by what's happening in the region. It's abhorrent. It's, it's abhorrent. My heart is with all those impacted. We need peace in the region. Really? Need peace in the region? A thousand people were just killed. Two thousand were just wounded. One side, Hamas. They were slitting tropes, capturing babies, killing babies, slaughtering people in cold blood, taking the rest hostage, raping the women. And you just say, I want all communities and I want peace? Ethan in Virginia. Hey, Ethan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's in your mind? Hey, so I just want to see if I got the facts straight. Um, nine Americans have been killed in Israel. Yep. Israel's mobilizing up to 300,000 soldiers. It has come out that Iran helped Hamas. Over 1,000 individuals have died. Over 2,000 individuals are wounded. The number of hostages taken is unknown. And as far as we are concerned, Hamas is still firing into Israel at yes. this moment. And you get on social media and you see people rooting for Palestine. Yes. And I get it. The Palestinian people within themselves, they're not, they're not causing the issue. It's Hamas, but the timing is, is just is despicable. It just goes to show you there's been generations of people who grew up and go to these colleges, and they're anti-Israel. They think Israel is the problem. I don't know how that happened, but it's actually happened. And keep in mind, too, is that the Hamas uh, might have been blitzed out of the eight military bases they took, but there's still remnants still there. Brian Kilmeade from high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. We thank you so much for being here. Uh, of course, I had to do a special One Nation show, privileged to do it. Uh, on Saturday night, instead of going... Uh, we went from 9 to 11 because of the breaking news about the war that's begun in the Middle East. We haven't seen something like this, and we weren't on the air, no cable networks in 1973. This is probably more serious. A special welcome to News Radio 1400 KTAM in Temple, Texas. Our privilege to be on in Texas. Temple is beautiful. I hope to be down there, too, with, the, uh, with uh, Teddy and Booker T., my book that's out November 7th. Uh, so we'll hopefully get into that region. But it's good to have the family of networks. Uh, continue to grow. Michael Goodwin standing by. And at the bottom of the arrow, we have Nicole Ambrose, Maryland National uh, uh, Committee woman, Republican National Committee, the chair, uh, chairperson of the Young Republicans National Federation, as we scramble to find out who the next Speaker of the House is. So let's get, before we get to Michael, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Just a short time ago, We did the historic Abraham Accords, and today we have the exact opposite, a major attack on Israel. What a difference a president makes, right? 
No kidding. He's not kidding. 2024, how did the reapproachment strategy with Iran uh, play into Israel getting attacked? How did the president react? Phone calls, a statement, and a barbecue. A barbecue. Do you believe that? And Republican candidates weigh in and call each other out. We have the latest on the GOP race with Iowa 100 days away. Number two. We need to get a speaker in place as soon as possible, someone we can unite around. We need to give Israel the time, the space, the resources so that they can win and win decisively and send a message to these evil people who did this. Yep. Um, Jim Jordan wants to be the next speaker. A vote is supposed to be on Wednesday. The House in turmoil. The time on, timing of uh, the ouster of Kevin McCarthy could not be worse. Meanwhile, how much has our nation already been hurt and our reputation damaged by what happened last week, thanks to Matt Gates? Number one. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people. Full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. Is- my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Israel at war and a region on fire. We have the details of it, the massive Hamas attack. It was brutal. It was barbaric. Hostages are taken, at least nine Americans dead, and others have been taken. We do not have track of them yet. We just have them down as missing. We're watching the Israeli response into Gaza. They're bombing their rockets in there. There's uh, planes overhead. But now Gaza, uh, out of there are rockets out of Gaza targeting Jerusalem. Michael Goodwin seen it all, covered it all. Now with the New York Post, columnist weighs in. Michael, first off, I've got to bring you to what happened in Times Square yesterday in New York City. A big rally in support of the Palestinians of Hamas. And the counter rally went up there. But what an embarrassment to this city that's been embarrassed nonstop over the last few years. Well, good morning, Brian. Look, I, excuse me. I think the, um, the rally yesterday is shockingly stupid in the sense that when you see, as, as you said, what Hamas did in Israel when it invaded um, the brutality, the the rapes, the, the murder of children, the kidnapping, the torture, uh, and to carry those people back to Gaza to use them as human shields. Um, it's unspeakable. I mean, this is barbaric. This is 15th century stuff. And then the, the marches in New York and Europe and, and elsewhere supporting this, it's, it, it's almost as mind-boggling as the attack itself, that anyone of, with, with, with a wit of sense, with a wit of decency, would support this, would, would look beyond it and see a larger issue at stake or some justification well, 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 for uh, well, we don't have to reach. We don't have to guess. It was organized by the Democratic Socialists of America, a proud member. It yes. sounds like the squad. And we know Cory Bush well, was all for them, and uh, uh, Congresswoman Talib is all for them. I'm sure AOC was everything was her presence probably was felt, not not seen, but felt. Well, they she is one of their one of their members. Effectively, they've always endorsed her. They've always endorsed Jamal Bowman, another Democrat. They've endorsed several key members of the New York State Legislature and the City Council. So the, the, this, this is a part of the fabric of the Democratic Party in New York, and they are supporting Palestine. There's no Palestine. There's no such place. There's no country called Palestine. This is Hamas, a terrorist organization, so deemed by the United States as well as the European Union. And so you're supporting terrorism. You're supporting the murder of children, the torture, 
the rape. You're supporting all of that. Yep. You either you either go 100 percent or or you recognize them for what they are. They are beasts and they should be wiped from the face of the earth. So the Wall Street Journal has this story talking about bi uh, biweekly meetings uh, run by El Quds, the El Quds force, the Israeli, the Iranian military force. Uh, that we killed Soleimani, who used to head it up. Right. And it was in Beirut, where Hezbollah is located. They're a political and uh, terrorist organization. And Hamas there is attending. They rehearsed. They went over. They got financing. All from Iran. Iran celebrated this. Hamas told the BBC Iran was behind this. But yet, Anthony Blinken, when asked, said this. Cut five. Iran uh, and Hamas have a long relationship. Uh, Hamas wouldn't be Hamas without the support it's had from, for many years from Iran. In this moment, we don't have um, anything that uh, shows us that Iran was directly involved in this attack and in planning it or in carrying out. But that's something we're looking at very carefully, and we've got to see where the facts lead. What an embarrassment. We don't have anything directly. They just want to keep the lines of communication open and continue to give away the store in order to what? Get in the good graces of this evil regime? It, it, it's willful ignorance not to know. I mean, if the if the press can find out, don't we have intelligence agencies? What, does the CIA know nothing? Does the FBI know nothing about this? Come on, it, it's not credible. Unless you have you have said turn off turn off all the intelligence. We don't want to know because we just gave them six billion dollars. We don't want to know how they're using the money. We, we don't want to know how they're financing Hamas. I mean, of course, uh, as he said, Hamas couldn't exist without Iran support. So why would he any, even entertain the idea that Iran had nothing to do with this? That's, that's foolishness. And, it, and, it, and as you say, Brian, it is embarrassing. So right now we are getting some reports that uh, Hezbollah— <clears throat> is beginning to rocket into Israel. It's not full bore, but it's definitely happening. That is something that Israel uh, worried about. I'm sure they've had contingency plans, but this means thousands more will die on both sides. Well, and when you look at it from the map, Brian, too, so Hezbollah uh, occupying parts of Lebanon, of course, uh, is in the north of Israel. And uh, the Hamas and the Gaza are in the south. Yep. So you've now got Israel having two fronts, uh, which is, I think, was the plan all along. I, I, I don't think this Hezbollah is a spontaneous reaction. I think they had to, Hamas had to, Iran had to anticipate that after Hamas invaded, Israel would come back hard on Gaza. And so now you have to have another front to distract Israel, to divide Israel's military capabilities. Um, this is a very serious moment for Israel. This really is an existential threat because Hezbollah, of course, uh, has access to much of Iran's uh, military capabilities. And they are uh, they are significant. I mean, so this is this could become something much, much bigger than it already is. Uh, I agree with you uh, 100%. And the condemnation uh, that did not come from Russia or China, they're just sitting on the outside. But guess where Senator Schumer is? Uh, with a bipartisan delegation visiting China. What, what could they possibly be talking about? It's, uh, it is mind-boggling. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think that 
we're in a moment where it's good to have conversations with all of these parties, but it, it, it's also probably a waste of time uh, because right now I think that the the anti-American nexus, the axis of evil, the modern axis of evil, I think is feeling pretty confident. They've got we've got a very weak president. We've got a divided nation, uh, and they they are they have all increased their military capabilities. Uh, Russia and Ukraine almost now feels like something of a sideshow, but it has clearly sapped America's military readiness because we've provided so much material mm. to Ukraine. Uh, there's always the question of Taiwan sitting out there, uh, and now you've got the attacks on Israel. I mean, it does feel like this is a big moment right. in history that that a lot of forces that have been developing are now maturing right. before our eyes. Well, I'll put it this way, and we have the exact opposite uh, administration that we want in a moment like this. A president that's living up to the reputation of he has done absolutely wrong. on He's been wrong on every major uh, political and military situation over the last 40 years. And again, wrong on Afghanistan. He's unable to uh, articulate and, and properly arm the Ukrainians to the point where he's even losing support domestically, and then thinks to himself, if I can only get win over Iran and get back in that horrible deal, that'll be a way to bring calmness and peace to the Middle East. Listen to Jake Sullivan, Je- September 29th, his national security advisor, cut 16. What we said is we want to depressurize, de-escalate, and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. The war in Yemen is in its 19-month of truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Uh, Obviously, his intelligence is terrible. The Israelis aren't much better. But that is a guy that is speaking uh, very naively in retrospect. So if you wonder why we were caught off guard, there you go. Well, again, Brian, I think a lot of it's wishful thinking. They, they, they pretend the world is as is as they wish it to be, and this is, you know, this is the essence of appeasement. Uh, you know, Herr Hitler wants peace. He promised me. He signed a piece of paper. Uh, that is that is the great appeasement uh, uh, incident in history. And so when you hear Blinken say, we don't know of Iran's involvement and Sullivan saying, you know, the Mideast is quieter than it's been in decades. That's what they want to be able to say for political purposes, because it suits their worldview. But the, the facts, you know, have are stubborn things. Facts always have a vote. Events have a vote. The enemy has a vote. And these guys don't seem to recognize it because they don't want it to be that way. I mean, if if you're going to play like a child and make believe world, then go ahead and do that on your sandbox. But don't be secretary of state. Don't be national security advisor. Lastly, I just want to get you to weigh in. We, you know, we had our mayor go down to three Central and South American countries. He went over to Ecuador. He went over to Mexico City in Mexico. And uh, he went over to Panama and went to the Darien Pass. At which time he was booed and heckled in many locations. He tried to tell everyone to uh, not come. Do you think this was an effective use of our money and resources? Had he had he been clear and consistent in the message of "Don't come," it it, it would it would have been useful. 
uh, but he was not. Uh, he was mushy. He, he, he talked, you know, as much about wanting to help the migrants and wanting to take care of them as he did uh, telling them not to come. And so when he met with some migrants, I believe in Ecuador, he didn't even say don't come. He didn't say it in front of the, uh, the, the local officials who were, who were helping the migrants there. Uh, the message was muddled. And so if, if, you're, if you're one of them, if you're, if you're a migrant, and don't forget, these people are getting messages from people already here, whether it's family members, friends, coyotes even. They're telling them the truth probably more so than the mayor is about reality in New York. If, you're, if you can get here and you can get a hotel room in New York and free meals and education and health care and all kinds of things, that's the message that's going back. It's not what somebody says. It's what's actually happening in New York. And that is, that is the mayor's failing here. He has made this attractive. He and the governor, by, by not contesting until just recently the right to shelter, by, by advocating for work permits, for pulling out all of the yep. stops of the welcome wagon, they have made it an inviting place to come. I just hope voters see these are the policies they ran on. They are doing it. The world is falling apart. The U.S. border is broken. Cities are overwhelmed. This is what they wanted. And now that they got it, they're embarrassed by the results. Do not let them get away with this. And I mean that. This is just, there's wrong and right. There's no gray area here. You blew it. You blew it at the border. You blew it in Afghanistan. You're blowing it in Ukraine. And you blew it by kissing up to Iran. You got us chaos in Israel. Uh, That's what I hope people take away from this. So at least we could end the carnage. Uh, Michael, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Crazy time. Uh, by the way, they're hearing sirens now in Jerusalem. Hamas, not out of rockets, uh, still aiming a little bit more precise, sadly, than they were the last time they tried to rocket Jerusalem. It seems like they're hitting some targets. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, I, and I've seen indications that the Taliban uh, wants to come to liberate Jerusalem, in their words, um, to fight the Zionists. Uh, it's very concerning. And, you know, uh, Hezbollah to the north, you know, they have 100,000 rockets in Lebanon. And, and so we don't want this to escalate, obviously. Uh, I think that's why the diplomacy is very important right now between Egypt uh, Jordan, surrounding nations, uh, even talking to the Saudis and Arab nations to try to bring this to an end um, because we don't want to see it escalate. Uh, that was Michael McCall, chairman of foreign relations in the House. We might as be as powerful and impactful as anyone, being there's no speaker there. 100,000 rockets, and there's already some skirmishes there. I know one thing. They've planned it. Uh, they've planned out to such detail the initial attack. Five different ways, by sea, by hang glider, by blowing, by, by Toyota truck. Uh, and then, of course, uh, just breaching the, uh, breaching the wall. They've done this in so many ways. I know they knew that Hamas would get hit back hard, which makes me think that if Hezbollah is already ready and, and knows exactly how, they will hit back at Israel once its soul starts. Chris in New Jersey. Hey, Chris. 
Hey, Brian, just wanted to, uh, I appreciate your show. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Um, I wanted to comment just on um, this administration's um, so-called support of Ukraine. You know, and everybody's commented on it, but I think we could have saved money and we would not have had this um, so-called sticker shock by the increased amount of money we're giving Ukraine if they just gave them the equipment and the assets right away instead of delaying. So right. So right. So right. I mean, there's nobody without who isn't just politically blind or so angry at Joe Biden. They don't want to do anything that looks at this and thinks, ah, we shouldn't get involved. There's a there's there's an enemy nation involved. It is Russia. They are the invading. They are killing, killing and kidnapping children. All right. Going for civilians. They're the bad guys. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We do need to get a speaker in place as soon as possible, someone we can unite around. But but you're exactly right. I thought Senator Cotton said it best. We need to give Israel the time, the space, the resources so that they can win and win decisively and send a message to these evil people who did this to the to our great friend and great ally, the state of Israel. Uh, that is Jim Jordan, who wants to be the next speaker. We think the vote will be on Wednesday. But they think they're going to do it behind closed doors, not to embarrass themselves again with 15 rounds before they got to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is going to be speaking in 25 minutes. One thing is pretty clear. His, his knowledge on international relations is as good as anybody in the Republican caucus. And he also, one of his first visits, even when he was, um, uh, when he was minority leader in the House, was to go to Israel. So he's frustrated he can't be involved here. The House is, might as well not be in existence. Uh, there was nobody briefed there except Akeem Jeffries, the minority leader, uh, because the speaker, uh, the temporary speaker, Patrick McHenry, does not qualify. What an embarrassment that is. But that's going to be one of the major issues happening this week. Uh, and Jim Jordan talked about that. Nicolie Ambrose joins us now, Maryland National Account, uh, uh, Committee woman from the Republican National Committee and chairperson of the Young Republican uh, National Federation. Nicolee, welcome back. Great to be here, Brian. Uh, first off, your take on Jim Jordan says how the, the need to get a speaker. What an embarrassment that Republicans have no speaker. Uh, totally hear you. You know, generally, if you're going to vote for a change, you should have that ready, right? Um, so there was a really tough situation in Washington, D.C. I get it. Kevin had to make kind of the devil's deal to become speaker in the first place, did not exactly put a speakership off in a great situation, right? And then all of a sudden, if he knew that the Hill people were going to die on was those 12 spending bills, then don't let them go on August recess for seven weeks. Vote on all of those bills because whether or not you are a fiscal hawk or not, you have to get a bill passed through the House to send it over to the Senate to get anything through Congress. And if your one power in Washington, D.C. is holding the purse strings of the government, you have to get the bills through and passed. It's unbelievable. Here's more from Jim Jordan on what needs to be done now in wake of the war. And we are getting reports. Israel is giving us reports of uh, rockets into Jerusalem at this hour. And there's been retaliatory strikes by plane and by uh, and by rockets from Israel right into Gaza for now. Uh, here's what Jim Jordan said. Cut 32. There will be some resolution on the floor to support the state of Israel. Uh, we will consult with Chairman McCall. We will consult with the Senate. We'll work with the, with the State Department and the White House. But that is, that is something that I think gets bipartisan, bicameral, full support from the United States government. Because, again, this is our, this is our, our great friend and great ally, the state of Israel. So I think that's, that's front and center. 
But, you know, as Kevin McCarthy said, I would have done that already if I was speaker. Exactly. Exactly. And that is one of the things Kevin McCarthy was exceptional on, right? His first trip overseas as speaker to Israel. He's fantastic. Um, What we really need to see here is I think no matter what, we need to get this speaker situation resolved. I hope Republicans come out of conference with a vote ready to go. Um, Our chairman... Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel said it well this weekend. I hope they get it done behind closed doors. But when they come out, when they have that vote, hopefully we will have that new speaker this week. Hopefully it will be more of a consensus leadership team where they can actually go to the eight or the four or the whoever is disagreeing with you and work out deals to get bills, right. to, whether it's Israel, whether it's spending. But what we also need to see here is leadership from the White House. Biden's lack of leadership on this his lack of leadership in general on all of these global issues, right? the numerous hotspots, whether you're well, talking— I know, but just with the House in particular, before we leave that, I want you to hear Nancy Mace, mysteriously, who said that uh, horrible things about uh, Matt Gates, but teamed with him on this and then goes and does Steve Bannon's podcast, uh, said this and was called out. She said, well, the problem is he didn't fulfill his promises. Look what Margaret Brennan found out. Well, on the the balanced budget amendment was introduced by you September 18th, very recently. Um, Your rape kit backlog bill, an important one, moved through Judiciary Committee fairly swiftly at the end of September. Um, And they already were in process of voting through those appropriations bills, as you know. Um, And in fact, voting could happen now, except there's no speaker. So we're stuck. Um, Mm -hmm. what, What was it that flipped the switch? Well, again, for me, it's someone that will keep their promises, that will keep their word and not keeping, not kicking the can down the road. And it was a matter of trust. I I don't know what to say. I mean, you got to be kidding me. The only thing I can assume is this is just where there's a history of personal issues there because there's no other explanation for it. And, And listen to what she said about Matt Gates. Matt Gates is a fraud. Every time he voted against Kevin McCarthy last week, he sent out a fundraising email. Uh, what you saw last week was a constitutional process diminished by those kinds of political actions. Um, I don't support that kind of behavior. I am very concerned as someone who represents uh, a lot of centrists, a lot of independents. I have as many independents and Democrats as I have Republicans in my district. I have to represent everybody. So and that was from, from January, I should clarify. So I guess she believed feel I have no idea. And when Margaret Brand said, I, name your thing, she named him. He says, okay, let me tell you what's going on with him. So that's why Kevin McCarthy like, could not believe that she has a problem with him. And he said, what didn't I f- f- fulfill with you? So I think it's very clear Kevin McCarthy was stabbed in the back by a long line of people. Right. Whether well, eight also, out of two ten. It was also Nancy Pelosi because he thought he had a deal with the Democrats. He did. He had made the budget deal, and there's a reason Nancy Pelosi got kicked out of her office like that night, right? Because he thought he had a deal that some Democrats would save would save a speakership, and they did not. So whether it was the eight that were across the spectrum, some of maybe a few of them you could expect from a history of issues, but there were some that are just seemingly there's. Completely out of the blue. Makes no right. sense. They can't even explain it to their constituents. See, you're from Maryland, and you know there's more Democrats and Republicans. Even the Republicans are moderate. So people like Matt Gates have to realize not everybody's in a conservative district that 70% are going to vote for you regardless. Exactly. And I think 
this is one of the biggest problems with redistricting, right? We've lost people that understand that there are some centrist districts. We did not perform well there in 2022. Had we performed better in 2022, there would have been more cavalry to help save Kevin McCarthy's speakership or really help negotiate more deals in Congress, right? We have once again this issue where we have to get bills out of the House of Representatives to send over to the Senate to get anything we want through. And that's the type of we need that action to show Republican leadership to get our policies enacted. A hundred days to Iowa. Uh, Trump seems to have a double figures lead in in, early, in all the early states, including South Carolina, even though Senator Tim Scott's a sitting senator there and you got the former governor there. Yes. What's the sense that you have? So obviously Trump's doing brilliantly with the primary electorate. And then you see these polls that look fantastic where it shows he can beat Biden in the general election by nine to 10 points. So um, that's really a hard game to compete with. What I do love about this is unlike the Democrat Party, the Republicans have these beautiful debates on display where people are allowed to have different opinions. They're allowed to get that Republican point of view out in the party. Once again, not only provides these debates, but Repub- the Republican electorate supports it and allows it RFK, and loves it. RFK Jr. It. today will have a press conference where he says he's going to make a major announcement. People say he's going to run as an independent because Democrats won't let him on the ballot, which is unbelievable for a Kennedy not to have enough power to get on the ballot. But now he runs as an independent. They did some initial studies and they say he'll take more from Trump than he would Biden if Trump's the nominee. Does that surprise you, being that where he spent most of his life? Right. So, I mean, you do see a it's like apparently there are some sane Democrats left, right? And we Bill want Moore. To, <laughs> we want two healthy parties in this country. That would be good for America, right? Um, I think the Democrats do themselves a great disservice by trying to completely dismiss a credible candidate, much less a Kennedy, foolish right. on their part to not at least show him some respect. Um, because what that does is it makes people say, this Democrat party is not my dad's party, is not my right. grandma's party. This is not my party any longer. And it provides yet another venue for them to say, maybe I should be an independent yeah. or a Republican. Well, Why am I with this party? And if they didn't show such disarray in the House, Joe Biden's policies are blowing up in his face. But now the Republicans were able to swamp it and they stop with the Hunter Biden investigation. Everything else stops. Here's President Trump on what he notices uh, is happening to the world and the country. Cut 35. Just a short time ago, we did the historic Abraham Accords. And today we have the exact opposite, a major attack on Israel. What a difference a president makes, right? What a difference a president makes. I guess you agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, Three years ago at this time, we were signing historic peace deals with other Middle Eastern countries, and Israel was beautiful. I mean, we the U.S. had had that dream for decades. Israel had had that dream for decades, and it got done right. uh, by the very person that Joe Biden said, you know, oh, he had to be the adult in the room and beat him. And the world's in disarray. We will be lucky if we get out of the Biden presidency without a world war at this point. So I think a lot of the candidates are afraid to come out saying that the Iranian-Ukrainian action is necessary but should be fully audited. Senator Tim Scott and Governor Haley have no problem with that. Uh, Nor does Mike Pence. Mike Pence notices that others running for president, like Ron DeSantis, like President Trump, and Vivek Ramaswamy, 
uh, are making things worse in his view. Tell me if you think he's right here. Cut 36. I also believe this is what happens when we have leading voices like Donald Trump, Vivek Ramswamy, and Ron DeSantis signaling retreat from America's role as leader of the free world. I, look, uh, the, what happened in Ukraine was an unprovoked invasion by Russia. What happened this weekend was an unprovoked invasion by Hamas uh, into Israel. Uh, and I really believe now more than ever, uh, both uh, the debate within the Republican Party and the debate within America, is whether or not we're, we're going to once again stand without apology as the leader of the free world, as the arsenal of democracy. Where, where do you fall, Nikoli? Um, so I absolutely believe the world is a safer place when America, you know, walks softly and carries a big stick. I'm a Teddy voter. Teddy Roosevelt Republican in terms of when we are strong, people behave. Trump demonstrated that beautifully. And Pence was his vice president. They did a fantastic job. But now they've separated in Pence's view. Is he separating something that's not separate? So in some ways, yes, because for me, it's hard to under I can't imagine any of these Republicans running for president not wanting to support Israel. And right. Israel has never has not in recent history ever asked us for troops on the ground. They simply want whether it's armament backup, strategic backup, intelligence backup. Obviously, we had a bit of an intelligence favor failure, although I question that if you look at the timing of events and then the global stage last week. All of a sudden, you had the Biden administration do a 180 on that we needed some of a border wall. Where did that come from? And our European intel analysts are saying that they absolutely knew this deal was inked last Monday. Mm -hmm. And we saw some very interesting turns of events. Nobody believes the, the sincerity House. in that. So exactly. they know they exactly. know that they got to fill those holes, but they just they don't like to because Trump built it. And they're not even using the wall we paid for. They're, and they're charging us for another wall. Uh, Nicole Ambrose, thanks so much. Maryland National Committee woman, Republican National Committee and chairperson emeritus of Young Republican National Federation. Thanks, Nicole. Great chatting. All right. We come back. We'll take your calls. one 408 7669 We also have some updates uh, from the front lines of this new, what could be a world war, but right now war raging in Israel. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. It's a broader question than just why did Israel and Mossad miss this, but why did U.S. intelligence miss it as well? Both countries have acknowledged uh, an element of, of surprise to this attack, and both are looking at you know, whether this is an issue of w- w- is there a blind spot in encrypted communications? Did Hamas change their operational security measures? Um, so they were able to communicate in a way that our intelligence, uh, both the U.S. and Israeli intelligence, didn't pick up that we did previously? Or is this a situation where the intelligence was there and it was in plain sight? Uh, that is John Radcliffe, who I'm sure if Trump wins will be back in the White House working for the administration, talking about, you know, he was head of national security. And he knows uh, and is surprised that this was this breach took place where a thousand Israelis are dead, 2000 are wounded. Uh, hundreds have been captured. And we'll listen to Michael McCall just got out of a briefing. They kept they took two year olds and three year olds and put them in cages in uh, Gaza. Think about that. And who knows how they're being treated. 
Do you know any human being and the planet, no matter how depraved? If I put a two-year-old in the worst supermax prison, they would be taken care of. I think I'm 99% sure. Can you imagine the mindset of a Hamas fighter to take a two-year-old and put them in a cage? Here's Matt, Lucent WTKF in North Carolina. Hey, Matt. Hi, Brian. Long time no hear from. Well, I'm glad you're on the line. What's on your mind? What's on my mind is, I, I just told you, call screener, it says it all about Biden's leadership that Saturday he announces the full support for Israel in about a minute, or maybe two minutes. And he actually sounded okay, I guess. They put him, put him on those two-step whatever they, they put him on. And then Sunday he's having a grill out on the White House lawn. With a band. <laughs> With a band. Ridiculous. I know. I mean, can you picture that? Can you picture him saying, with all his years of experience, just saying, listen, let's say that, you know, you know, everybody did their own thing yesterday, as horrific as it was. I get it. Some kid had soccer and baseball games, and you had different family events. So he could, he could have an event. But as president of the United States, you don't go, and you don't have a band. You say, listen, there's a perception. The world's watching. Can't have this. If you want to have a celebration, you bring it indoors, you bring it inside, and, you, you know, you do it, and you honor the people you have to honor. But for him to do it and for the White House to confirm it is insane. You know, we were lucky we stayed in the White House one weekend. Jamie in New Jersey. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Brian. You know, when you bring up anything that Biden does policy-wise or whatever, you have to um, include every one of the Democrats. They vote the same, every one. There's nobody outside that box. I agree, and they and they stay close, but they do do. They have their socialists who I don't see whatever you want to say about Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They would not uh, support those protests. And you're allowed to do it. I know it in Times Square on Sunday, and those those were a rally. Those were rallies in support of the Hamas massacre of innocent Israelis, the capturing and beheading. You know, they lynched. They actually lynched an Israeli officer. So they've taken others. They've took over nine military bases and they went into a concert and they shot people in cold blood. And there were people in New York City and around this area that said, let's go rally and support. This would be great. Does anyone have a bullhorn? I'd love to do that. And then a hundred marched down to the Israeli consulate to protest their existence. I mean, that's what you're up against. They do vote the same. But this is the squad. This is the squad speaking. That's the element that they somehow keep in line on most votes. Thanks, Jamie. Sam in Orlando. Hey, Sam. DBO. Hey, why why is this all one-sided on, over here? The Israelis, years ago, you guys got to go back in the 60s and 70s when they did the same thing to the Palestinians, but nobody's talking about that. They're talking really? about Israel, Israel. Go ahead, Israel. Sam. Tell me what they did. You mean what, what 1967? There, yes, sir. Six-day war. Think about that. They, you don't think they you mean killed, you mean they were attacked from every side by nation states? They killed millions, and how many? And after how many, be, Sam, I'll tell you, after being attacked, you have to sit there without precision weapons, even that we have today. You got to you're worried about your utter survival. Multiple Arab states attack you, and you're upset at Israel for fighting back. I mean, what is with these people?
From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show, at a time in which everybody's watching Israel after that brutal invasion. We'll discuss all of it. Uh, and we'll take your phone calls at 1-866-408-7669. If you are at a situation where you'd rather write, you could do it at BrianKillMe.com. You'll see at the top of my website comments, and it goes right to my uh, email. So I'm able to go through it uh, the best I can. We are following events right now, and you're able to see live screen if you're watching Fox News. And I know you are on your phone while you're listening to me. Uh, you could see the Gaza is being hit right now from rockets as well as fighter jets. I also would like to add... Uh, that Hamas is still rocketing Jerusalem. So this is not subsiding. And there is a fear that Hezbollah has begun to attack in the north. That will be the two-front war, the scenario that Iran loves because they fully support it, and uh, Israel was preparing for but would not relish. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Just a short time ago, We did the historic Abraham Accords, and today we have the exact opposite, a major attack on Israel. Yeah. What a difference a president makes, right? 2024, how does this reapproachment strategy with Iran, how's that going, Mr. Biden? How's that play into the Israelis getting attacked in every way? How did the president react? Phone calls, a statement, and now a barbecue yesterday? The Republican candidates weigh in and call each other out. We have the latest in the GOP race with Iowa 100 days away. Number two. We need to get a speaker in place as soon as possible, someone we can unite around. We need to give Israel the time, the space, the resources so that they can win and win decisively and send a message to these evil people who did this. Yeah, that is somebody who wants to be speaker. He's a great guy. But there is no speaker right now, which is a great embarrassment. House in turmoil. The timing could not be worse. We'll talk about where they go from here. Number one. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people. Full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Even though you were not meeting a big fan of Benjamin Netanyahu, you barely barely invited him over to the White House. But we'll see. Israel at war and a region on fire. We have the details of the massive Hamas attack and the hostages taken, including the Americans and Israeli's response. Israel's response. Uh, Now... Ian Bremmer, who is as knowledgeable as anybody I know of the Middle East, said the one thing that people don't realize is that Israel is actually in a better geopolitical place than they've ever been in their history. Bahrain did not condemn, uh, did not support Hamas. You got United UAE condemned the attacks by Hamas. You have Saudi Arabia was on the precipice of peace in the area. Morocco on the precipice of peace in the area. They realize that they're not the problem. Long ago, Jordan and Egypt came to a mutual respect agreement. That's why they Egypt got the Sinai Peninsula back. And the reason why Syria is a terrorist state and they added the Golan Heights of essentially annexed now, acquired in the 67 war, annexed now by Israel. But in case you do not know, over a thousand, it looks like over a thousand Israelis are dead. Uh, almost 2,000 wounded. Uh, and uh, uh, hundreds have been captured, keeping hostage, and they've been spread out and fanned out across Gaza. Nine Americans have lost their lives, and we don't know how many Americans have been brought hostage, but it looks as though everyone confirming it, uh, they are. Uh, uh, they are. There is going to be more, and there are hostages taken. 
There were 5,000 rockets, rockets fired in 20 minutes. Can you imagine what it must have been like there? More than 40 hours after militants uh, from Gaza surged across the border, Israel's military bases were still in their hands, and they did not until the last few hours get them out of their country. The commander of the crack team of Israel troops, known as the Ghost Unit, was killed fighting Hamas. His name is called, uh, Colonel Roy Levy, 44 years old. He's with a multidimensional unit. He's pretty much a uh, was a living legend. Now he's lost his life. You hear these horror stories of two-year-olds being kidnapped and now reports of them being kept in cages. And I ask you, who was behind this? How is Hamas able to drill like Green Berets and SEALs would do for months before they do this operation? I'm not saying they're up to that level. But you're talking about a five-prong attack through air, through sea, through paraglider, bombing out a wall, going through it with Toyotas, and then targeting a concert, killing 260 and taking more hostage. 260 bodies piled on top of each other. Here's Trey Yinks, cut one. Further illustrating the threats that Israel is facing right now, 12 rockets were reportedly fired into northern Israel from southern Lebanon. It is not clear if these rockets were fired by the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah or if they were fired by Palestinian factions in southern Lebanon. Either way, any action that takes place in this part of Lebanon is sanctioned, and it is supported by Hezbollah. And Hezbollah is supported by Iran. There is a link to all of this, and the groups inside Gaza are not shy about where they are getting their support and the information and supplies to make the rockets that are currently raining down on Israel, and neither is Hezbollah. It's from Iran. Hamas spokesman Ghazi Hamad tells, tells the BBC that Iran gave its support to the Palestinian terror group to launch the surprise multi-front attack on Israel on Saturday and was cited in the Hebrew media. They invited five ways. They called it a complex attack. How do you do that? Unless you train and go over tactics. And it looks like they did in Beirut as early as April, as late as August, bi-weekly meetings with the Al-Quds force leader, with Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad. My fear is that they not only planned a, a sophisticated invasion, from their point of view, successful. They're all going to be dead, though. The Hamas leaders, they will be dead. This is their version of Prigozhin. So they'll all be dead soon. But is there another phase that they're counting on that we're not expecting? I know Iran couldn't be happier because no one's talking about the Abraham Accords or continuing of it. No one's talking about how peaceful things are in Israel. This actually delays uh, their economy. The whole thing goes into hibernation, mobilizes their entire country. They all go into uniforms eventually. But it's amazing to me that the administration does not admit what we all know. Iran was behind it. The Wall Street Journal reporting what I just told you almost immediately. I don't know how they got such detail, but they got it. But Anthony Blinken was quick to say, hey, we don't know anything. And I don't know for sure that they were behind it. John Finer, the deputy national security advisor, weighed in, too, on Fox News Sunday. Hey, guys, it's not the $6 billion we just gave them, I promise. Cut six. In terms of Iran's involvement in the attack that began yesterday, that's obviously something that we're looking at very closely and something that we will continue to watch. Uh, it is too soon to draw any definitive conclusions. Uh, but Iran has been a longtime supporter uh, of Hamas and has a complete complicity in the capabilities that Hamas has built up uh, over time. You're still going to have secret talks with them in Oman? You're still going to go ahead and be okay with them kicking out weapons inspectors? You're okay with uh, them selling oil to the tune of 4, bill- 4 million barrels a day instead of 300,000 a day? 
You're okay with the uh, Palestinian Authority getting $300 million in aid from the first day they walked in. It's probably up to $700 million now. What do you think what they're doing with that money? They're not giving it to the people. They're not making soccer fields and schools. Come on. This is the attitude that allows the enemies of the West and of the only democracy in the Middle East uh, to be to get themselves some beer muscles. And those beer muscles, they got to get their comeuppance. You just watch. I'll be doing this is Monday. I'll be doing this show by Thursday. And by Thursday, you'll talk about the intensity of the Israeli fighters. And there'll be Western nations calling for Israel to take it easy, to level off, to pull back. Because they didn't experience this. They didn't have one of their friends hung in front of them, shot in cold blood, brutally raped or kidnapped, tortured and killed. But you get a chance to see what these Republican candidates would do. Nikki Haley stepped up for me Saturday night. She was really good. So was Chris Christie. And she talked yesterday on Meet the Press. And Meet the Press, they were going out of their way, this Kristen Welker, to make it clear that the $6 billion they just got in a hostage exchange did not fuel this attack. That's all she cared about. Cut 10. There's just no proof of that yet. This is just the hours after that immediate attack. Is it irresponsible to level that charge when you really don't have any evidence of that at this point in time? The evidence is look at what the Iranian people have done to freedom-loving people around the world. Look at what the Iranian people, the Iranian regime has done to threaten Israel over the years. To think that they're not moving money around is irresponsible to say that to the American people. They are moving money around to threaten those they hate. They hate Israel. They hate America. They are going to continue to use this. It was wrong to release the $6 billion. Of course it was wrong. They mischaracterize the whole thing. They misjudge the whole thing. They have to undo their policy. They have to quickly put massive sanctions on Iran. They're behind it and start to put the maximum pressure campaign. If you want to save your presidency at all, you already admitted that the wall works. Even though you deny it, you're building it. Even though it's only 20 miles instead of 200 miles, you're still building it. Now admit that the previous administration's policy worked because Iran is just flat-out evil. They will look at any opportunity and any acquiescence on our part as weakness, and they'll try to take advantage of it. When we come back, we're going to talk to John uh, Renish, a Democratic strategist, and at the bottom of the hour, talk to Josh Krasauer of Axios. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. I will squeeze in some of your calls. I know you have a lot to say. I see you on the board, one 408 Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. When you show weakness, when you show appeasement anywhere, it invites terrorists and despots to act anywhere. And so when we pull out of Afghanistan and let the Taliban get back into power, what happens? The Taliban today is now asking Iraq, Iran, and Jordan to let them go across their land so they can go fight Israel in Jerusalem. Uh, that is Governor Christie over the weekend. He joined me Saturday night and then was on Fox News Sunday, I believe, on, or was with Marie on Sunday, uh, running for president of the United States, doing much better. I saw a poll. He's actually, I think, leading in New Hampshire. It was just one poll, though. Uh, joining me now to discuss uh, what's going on over in the Middle East, John Reinish, he's a Democratic strategist. Welcome, John. 
Brian, it's great, it's great to be on. Hope it's the first of many. Glad to be on with you. Today. Yeah, so right now, uh, former Speaker McCarthy speaking. What an embarrassment Republicans pulled off last week. Hopefully they get their act together by Wednesday. But right now, how do you feel about the president having a barbecue on Sunday with a band blasting on the White House lawn? That seems to yeah, be an unforced I mean, look, error. Yeah, I, 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 I would say this. Um, in, in a moment of crisis, this is, you know, when, when voters are laser focused, countries across the world, armies across the world are, are laser focused. This is not a moment I would have been having a celebration, whether you're Joe Biden or whether you're an, any, any president of both parties. You want to be in the Situation Room. You want to be focused. You want to be communicating with the Pentagon, your generals, your counterparts overseas. So I, I realize that, uh, you know, look, presidents of both parties have to walk and chew gum at the same time. There are always um, concurring events. I myself would not have made the choice. So, so John, I remember uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, obviously, and George Bush. They wanted to be friends with Vladimir Putin. But you had to quickly change gears when you realize this guy's into Georgia and now he takes Ukraine. You got to go, OK, listen, that was my policy. It didn't work. Do you yep. think that it's up to this administration to say, hey, look, I thought Trump had it backwards. Uh, I don't want to isolate Iran. I wanted to bring them in. Uh, is it time to admit it didn't work? Well, look, I, I think when you're president, part of being a good president, and this goes for being a good mayor, a good governor, doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you, you, you have to go with where the circumstances dictate. And, and I think promises that you made, intentions you may have had on the campaign trail, whether you're Donald Trump, whether you're Joe Biden, um, geopolitics change. Look, we saw that firsthand play out in, um, you know, the, the, the most terrifying attack that we've seen since September 11th. So if, if circumstances have dictated you got to do something differently than you originally planned, you do it. You adapt. And I don't think we can pretend anymore that Iran wasn't thoroughly behind it. The Wall Street Journal reporting and the BBC reporting now that Hamas said Iran supported this. And then the Wall Street Journal report, which I know you've read, it came out last night, showed that biweekly meetings were taking place in Beirut with Hezbollah and the Al-Quds force leader. We killed the last one. This Soleimani, the new one is there, and this was mm-hmm. well-planned. As evil as it was, it was well-planned. Five separate areas of attack. I mean, is it, is it time to no longer sit on the, When would you come out? When would you recommend, John, coming out and saying, listen, we know who was behind this? Well, sure. I mean, like, look, again, you, you had really solid reporting that just, you know, every hair on my body stood up when I saw that. But it confirmed a suspicion that I already had. Look, we know who the financial, political, um, arms trafficking engine is behind Hamas. It's Iran, and it always has been Iran, uh, you know, and it's, it's similar in the case of Hezbollah and, and other, you know, terror groups who are enemies of the Jewish people, enemies of Israel, enemies of the United States, enemies of Western civilization. So we've kind of known who was behind, um, if not this attack in its first day. Um, we've been we've known for a long time who is behind Hamas. Hamas is Iran's proxy, and we should never ever have lost sight of that. But look, ha- having that that reporting, which was incredibly solid from the Wall Street Journal, as always, uh, confirm that 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 Iran planned this. My first thought, Brian, was, man, what an intelligence failure. How was this not picked up? If there were formalized meetings, how was this not picked up? So I think in, in Due course, we really do need to take a look at that. But look, it's very, very clear 
Iran is among the worst actors, if not the if not the worst actor outside of China, outside of North Korea, outside of Russia, et cetera. Sort of, you know, to use former President Bush's phrase, this sort of axis of evil. So uh, Iran needs to be held beyond accountable, beyond accountable um, for, for this grave offense and grave attack. So when you look at the maximum pressure campaign uh, that tried to strangle uh, and suffocate Iran, is it time to go back to that? I think everything should, should, should be on the table. I mean, I, I would uh, uh, reapply that strangulation pressure. I mean, there again, th- this does not go unpunished. So we're talking to uh, John. I'm sorry, is it Rhinish or, or Rhinish? Uh, it's uh, Rhinish, like, like the Rhine River. So, John, uh, we know that RFK is going to have an announcement today. It's a big announcement. We think that he is going to say that he's running as an independent. He said the Democratic Party did not want him there. They weren't going to have any <laughs> primaries. They said pay for it yourself, even though his last time as a candidate. Is that the way you prefer your party handle things? Uh, I, I always prefer um, an open discussion, a healthy primary, um, uh, uh, a robust discussion about the future of the country and the future of the party. Um, but if folks are not stepping in to challenge the sitting president, you know, that is what it is. You know, um, it's not up to the Democratic Party, you know, institutional structure to support those primaries. It's to support the whole party all, all the way around. So, you know, RFK Jr., um, it is, you know, a fringe figure. He can do whatever he wants. It's a free country. He can communicate to you. I think the reality is, Brian, he was doing a terrible job and was not successful in terms of campaigning in front of Democrats. So this is more of a desperation change on his part. But again, he can he can compete wherever he wants, wherever he sees fit for him for his message. And, you know, the voters who are turning into it. I think he wasn't doing well with Democrats. That's far more behind his decision. It's than double else. figures, a lot better than a lot of the Republicans were doing with Trump. John Reinish, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Hope to come back, Ryan. Thank you. You got it. one 408 We're going to take the John Crosh Hour next of Axios and also writes for the Jewish News. This is Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. President Biden's number one priority right now must be finding out how many Americans have been taken hostage and get them home. From last night to this this morning, the number of American deaths have doubled from four to nine. This administration must also make clear that harming any American will result in the wrath of the United States. We cannot repeat what happened in Afghanistan. It must be clear that we do not negotiate with terrorists and no American will be left behind. So Kevin McCarthy, it's a speech that's still ongoing. He's taking questions now. And I think he basically, and it's hard for me to know because I'm doing the show at the same time, but basically saying, if you need me to go back, I'll go back. And why should, uh, why should 210 people be overwhelmed by eight Democrats, let him rot. They let him go, but eight people stepped up and he's gone. And now there's no house speaker. There's no condemnation. There's no sign. Nobody to sign off on additional weapon systems into uh, Israel. And why can't the speaker pro tem be able to focus uh, function as a speaker pro tem? 
Right now they can't. By the way, I'm going to go on outnumbered in 20 minutes, and I'll be on there from 12 to 1. And waiting for Josh Kreischauer to join us. But with all this breaking news, with things going on the way they're going on, you understand the way people are late or they got to cancel. That is indeed the case. Let me just also tell you what's going on on the screen. Uh, we found out today, just when I went on Fox and Friends at 6 in the morning, that Israel's officially said that all nine military bases were back in their hands and all the settlements and towns that were bombarded and uh, dominated by Hamas were now back in our hands. I mean, excuse me, our hands, in Israel's hands. Uh, so that's good news. But the fact that it took 40, 50, 60 hours to do that shows you how unprepared the Israelis were because they know how to fight and they know how to organize. And it also shows you how well rehearsed Hamas is. And my fear is there's another shoe to drop because they knew that they have just if they're going to go attack Israel, they're going to make it last and be as damaging as possible. Obviously, they're taking hostages. So they want to make them human shields. Got it. Now they have to have anticipated a massive hit in Gaza City. So they go in, and they're going in. I'm watching them hit uh, before we saw six strikes just while we were on the air, and they're hitting. You see nothing but smoke coming out. They shut off all the power. They They stopped all food going in, and they're bombing away in Gaza Strip. I wonder if they know that this is only phase one of the plan. That's my worry. David, you're listening in Ohio. Hey, David. How's it going? What's on your mind? Well, I think a lot of this is absolutely insane. Um, one, don't we have a law in this country where it's illegal to give comfort or aid to terrorists? Pretty sure we have something like that. Yeah. yeah we've already had two presidents, two, Obama and this lunatic, have both given money to terrorist organizations, yet they you send a candy bar, you go to prison for a long time. They're giving these people millions upon billions of dollars, and this happens, and then they want to act surprised? No. This is over. Right. I'm sorry if nobody likes what's being said, but what needs to be done isn't being done. Biden should be in prison. Obama should be in prison. Kamala should be kicked out of office, what she's doing. But, but let, let's just take a look at this for a second. They keep on wanting to say that not one dollar of the six billion dollars has been spent and it's wrong. It's a wrong narrative. That's not the point. When you know six billion dollars is coming, you'll spend other money. And they go, it's going to go to humanitarian efforts. Well, yeah, right. So now they, they're the Iran's version of a, a food program. Remember, Saddam Hussein was basically feeding two thirds of his country. Uh, that's why they were so loyal to him. Iran is feeding a lot of these people. So the money that was going to go to food, well, that'll be the $6 billion. And then they take the $6 billion that was going to go to food, they'd use it. Called fungible. Number two is we gave the Palestinians $300 million at least. It's probably more like $700 million now because Trump stopped it. Remember, the opposite. Whatever Trump did, they do the opposite. What do you think they're doing with that money? They don't care about their people. Obviously, they went ahead and attacked Israelis, killed 1,000 horrible fashion, know there was going to be a big response, and knew that civilians were going to die and they were going to hide in in, uh, predetermined spaces. So all that's being done. And at the same time, you're letting them sell oil, you're releasing and not enforcing the sanctions, and then they say, Hezbollah, here's your check. Hamas, here's your check. Islamic Jihad, here's your check. Go at it. And they're going at it against what they consider the little Satan I got to remember, who is the big Satan? I, I used to know. Oh, that's right. It's us. 
Darren, listening Indiana. Hey, Darren. Um, yeah, I got maybe. you. Okay, you there? Yep. All right. uh, just some food for thought. I, with Putin sitting back and seeing us wavering in our uh, backing of Ukraine and, and mm. kind of pausing on sending aid to Ukraine, it would not surprise me with his relationship with Syria that he didn't plan this all along well, way back. You know, th- this is how smart that. you are, Darren. This is how smart you are. Uh, and Eric pointed me to this. Lavrov had a meeting with Hamas officials in Moscow in April. So that's exactly when there was, these talks began uh, in Beirut. Thanks so much for the call. Josh Krasauer is with us from Axios. Uh, and Josh also uh, writes for, uh, he's editor-in-chief of Jewish Insider. Josh, how would you characterize the feeling that you, from your contacts in Israel right now? Well, look, they suffered what what is being called a combination of 9-11 and Pearl Harbor uh, in Israel. It was the most brutal terrorist attack in, in Israel's history, uh, and they've, they've had rough moments in, in their 75-year history. But it was a sneak attack. There was very little intelligence that this was coming, and usually the Israelis are quite prepared for threats on their border from Iran, from Hezbollah, and in yeah. this case from, from Hamas. They were totally caught off guard. Um, look, and it's the most number of Jews killed in any day since the Holocaust. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a, just a gut-wrenching day for Israel, for for, Jew, for anyone uh, hoping for a civilized society around the world. Um, and the change, you know, the politics change here. The politics are, you know, immediately impacted in Israel, and, and it looks like they will be preparing uh, for a ground invasion uh, of, of, of Gaza and, and working to, to take out uh, as best as they can. Uh, the terrorist apparatus in, in, in the Gaza Strip. Uh, Ken McCarthy just spoke now. His knowledge and experience in foreign relations, passion for Israel uh, is pretty well known. And he spoke, he did a couple interviews over the weekend, just had a press conference. I think he's indicating he's available as speaker should you need him. I know the vote, I guess, technically and formally is supposed to be Wednesday. Tell me what you make of this. Could you imagine if we were sitting here and we listened further to a Gates and Mace that we were in a shutdown? But as we asked our 30,000 men and women in the military in the Middle East to defend us without being paid, that the question around the world of what was happening here today, that's a decision by the conference. I'll allow the conference to make whatever decision. Whether I'm speaker or not, I'm a member of this body. I know what history has had, and I can lead in any position it is. And right now, I realize we need these five actions taken now. So what is he getting at, Josh? I, I, everything's so unprecedented, but I really like to get your take on what he's saying. Well, look, Brian, it sounds like Kevin McCarthy, you know, it sounded like he's still the speaker. Um, he's now uh, uh, essentially a, a former speaker, backbench member of Congress, but there is no speaker. And there is going to be, I mean, at least before these heinous attacks in, in Israel, a real question on whether any, any Republican candidate for speaker could get to that 218 level. Uh, the crisis may change things. I, I don't. I don't think it's likely that McCarthy would 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 submit his name for the, to become speaker after everything that happened. But things have changed. It certainly changed uh, politically overnight within 
both parties uh, and how national security is now front and center on, on, on for the White House and everyone on down. And uh, the, ne- the notion of having a vacuum in the speakership when you know Israel needs aid, weapons, uh, perhaps in the future, uh, there, there needs to be action taking place in Congress, and, and the House can't do anything with, without a speaker. So there's a sense of urgency. Uh, the question really is, Brian, whether Republicans feel that ur- urgency, whether every Republican in the House shares that same degree of urgency, because um, whether it's McCarthy or more likely anyone else, um, there needs to be uh, a degree of unity for, for Congress to do its business. And in, in this very delicate moment on the international stage, the vacancy uh, in the speakership is as profound as, or as, as, as impactful as, as, as you can imagine. I only have 15 seconds, but how's this vote going to go on Wednesday? Behind closed doors? Uh, if it's Wednesday, yeah, I mean, you, you, you will, yeah, and, and you, you, the, the, the name of the game, though, is not within the, it's not even within the Republican conference, but it's whether you can just hold off from five House Republicans defecting, um, as we saw in January, if they really need a unified caucus right. bill. They're trying to tell the American people we're not worthy. Thanks, Josh. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. I had a chance to, of course, uh, host a two-hour show on Saturday night. Hope you had a chance to watch as the war breaks out in the Middle East, and especially in Israel, actually in middle in, in Israel right now. But uh, we know that rockets are now coming from Hezbollah, but not at a dizzying rate. At Hamas, they are rocketing. They are now officially out of Israel, uh, blown out of the nine military bases they took. And now they're hitting them in Gaza. Not one is a Hamas commander will probably survive. I think it's unlikely anyone will do. It's a suicide mission that they implemented. But I immediately thought of, but wouldn't it be great to get Ambassador David Friedman, who did such a fantastic job under Donald Trump when he was asked to be the ambassador there and was there when they moved the embassy, uh, our embassy in Jerusalem, recognizing that true capital of that country when many others didn't. So I wanted to get his take. I did not know he was in Jerusalem at the time. Here's my interview with him on Fox and Friends. Former U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, under President Donald Trump, joins us now from Jerusalem. Ambassador, how do you describe what's around you and what you've experienced over the last three days? Well, the nation's in shock, Brian. Um, uh, This has never happened before. We're we're looking at the largest um, assault and the most successful murder uh, campaign of the Jewish people since the Holocaust. And it's very difficult to watch. you know, I'm in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm not in the line of fire, but I am going into shelters every uh, every hour or two. And uh, I'm used to this. I've been doing this for years. But I have to go explain to my grandchildren who are here visiting for the holidays, you know, that there are people in the world that wish to indiscriminately and brutally murder the Jewish people. It's, it's a hard message to deliver to a 12-year-old girl. And I, I hope that, you know, the Jewish people will pass this point in the history, but regrettably we're not. We're not going to know until we do some interviews and do some after-action reports. But why do you think Lamas said this is the time? This is the time to get Israel. This is the time to, to blow open the wall. This is the time to get into Gaza. And, th- and in August, reportedly, they were meeting about this. Why did it happen when you were ambassador? Well, it didn't happen when we were ambassador because I think our policies were so clear that in the event of, a, uh, of an attack on Israel by, by any terrorist group, uh, there would be no limitations placed on the state of Israel with regard to how it chose to defend itself, by itself, for itself. I think that message uh, resonated loud and clear. 
uh, within Israel's uh, you know enemies. Uh, the second point is let's let's be clear. This is completely planned by by Iran. Uh, you know, Iran. The Wall Street Journal reported this yesterday. I had known this before. Iran uh, carefully planned and approved every aspect of this uh, operation, and they would not have uh, Hamas would have not have succeeded were it not for Iran's help. So um, you have to ask yourself, you know, why is the United States appeasing Iran? Well, literally at the same time, at the very same time that America is agreeing with Iran to exchange hostages at a price of $6 billion in cash. At the very same time, Iran is plotting with Hamas to annihilate the Jewish people. And, and, and the other point is, why is Iran doing this? They want to scuttle the progress being made between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That's their greatest fear. And unfortunately, at least for the time being, they've succeeded. Because with this you know, massive war going on, it's going to be very difficult for either Israel or Saudi Arabia to focus on, uh, on, on more productive ventures. I just want to share this with the audience. U.S. State Department spokesperson Matt Miller just said there are unaccounted for U.S. citizens in Israel and U.S. is working with the Israeli counterparts to determine their whereabouts. We do know, uh, sadly, that nine Americans are dead. We do know, we don't know how many, but we know some have been captured. Does that change America's stance in this? We're rushing weapons to the region. We still provide intelligence to the region. Ambassador uh, Robert O'Brien says we should be giving hostage negotiators, including the best of the FBI, to help with this, especially with Americans involved. What else should we be doing? Well, we ought to be um, we ought to be adding all those resources to, to, to what Israel already has. I just got off the phone a half an hour ago with a, a father of an American boy who uh, had attended a music festival in, this, in southern Israel, and um, and his son is missing, and he has no idea whether he is whether he was killed, whether he was captured, whether he's held hostage, whether he's wounded, because so many wounded people came into the hospital without any ID. Uh, this is this poor American father and mother are going through hell right now, and um, and, and and there's there's a lot more of them out there. I think we'll find out more than uh, more than nine Americans are are among those who are either wounded or held hostage. So uh, this was an assault on America right. too. Let's not you know let's not let's not forget that. I mean, there's you know there there were hundreds of thousands of of Americans in Israel celebrating the Jewish holidays, and unfortunately. Um, many of them, uh, you know, many of them won't be coming home, and, and we have to help those families. And by the way, it's just worth pointing out that the administration has not even appointed uh, an ambassador to the to Israel right now. So we even have no point person uh, for communications, which is just incredible. Uh, ambassador, one of the great worries is, and people watching this, to see if Hezbollah is going to start lobbing rockets in. We know they got the controversial Sheba farms that both sides claim that they are in control of. Some rocket fire has been exchanged. The word is that if we, if uh, Israel goes into Gaza heavily, that's when Hezbollah starts getting involved. Have you heard that? Do you expect Hezbollah to come in? Yeah, I've heard a lot of things. Uh, uh, there are Hamas uh, outposts in Lebanon, so the rocket fire could be coming from Hamas. The Lebanese uh, uh, president said he doesn't think Hezbollah is coming in. Look, I don't think, and I, and I hope I'm right, and I, and I could easily be wrong. But I don't think Hezbollah is going to come in, and, and I'll tell you why. Because all of these uh, are proxies for Iran, and Iran has achieved all it wanted to achieve uh, with, in the cheapest possible way by, by, you know, by prompting and supporting Hamas. Uh, Iran doesn't care what happens to Hamas. No, no one cares if, uh, what Israel does in the Gaza Strip. They don't care. They got what they wanted. They scuttled the uh, progress between Israel, America, and Saudi Arabia. 
And um, why they would want to then put, you know, Hezbollah assets at risk for this, I don't know. I don't know what they have to gain. And I think Israel, you know, uh, given the pressure it's under, will just respond by flattening Lebanon. You know, they'll turn, you know, they say they'll turn Lebanon back to the Stone Age. They mean it. They really will. They don't have time, you know, to go have land wars on two fronts. So, and, and don't underestimate the power of the IDF. So I don't think it makes sense for Hezbollah to come in, but it's not like there's a whole lot of logic that's, uh, you know, governing people's actions right now. Uh, you're a level head in the eye of the storm. Ambassador David Friedman, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. So that was Ambassador David Friedman. He did tell me when he when I talked to him last on Fox and Friends that if Donald Trump wins and asks him, he would go back. He thought he was done, but he would go back. It's such an important time. I think now more than ever, you have his grandchildren there. Uh, keep in mind, too, if you want to hear from me talking on stage about stuff like this and talking about American history from start to finish, just go to BrianKillMe.com. Hopefully, I'll be in a city near you. My first stop is Red Bank, New Jersey, then on to Huntsville, uh, and I'll be in Montgomery, maybe even in your city. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.